0: We see migrants dying um, from trying to get across from North Africa into Europe. People searching for hope and a better life. We see protests. We see hate speech. We see depression and celebrity suicide. Not that celebrity suicide is any worse than any suicide. We see the results of the Australian bushfires. We see politicians pushing for stronger border control. We see racism. We heard about the coronavirus and other epidemics. If any of us are living in the business world, I'm sure a lot of us are thinking, how is this virus going to impact our economy? Are we going back to 2008? I was sharing, I think, with John at our family group on Friday night that I'm glad that I haven't spent that savings on getting the house fixed up. You know, that fear of what's going to happen in the economy. Um, mental health. One thing I'm excited about is mental health is not this taboo subject anymore. We, Even in our company, in our company kickoff, we're talking about mental health issues and it's open. But I think in the digital age, we're seeing an increase in mental health issues. Me Too. The movement that started where women stood up and had a voice because of the healing that they're looking for. Um, poverty and inequality, uh, wars, addiction. Uh, I lived. I just moved back from the states. I spent uh, two and a half years in the states. The opioid addiction is is horrendous. Uh, crime, gun crime, any crime, extremism. Uh, and then our planet You know when I wake up in the morning, and I pick up the BBC app or Whatever you subscribe to CNN times the Guardian whatever your political views are This is unfortunately the lens that we look through. It's very difficult for us to see John's vision This is the lens we look through and the reality is quite interesting preaching and you're trying to get your presentation constantly. Maybe I should just move over here. Because quite frankly, the the lens that I look through every single day is is the backdrop. And um, and the truth is is that the scripture reminds us that there is hope. And uh, I want us to the first point if you're making points is the tree of life. So it says in the middle of the street there's this river. And then it talks about the 12 trees. And you've got to ask yourself, the Bible begins with the tree. In Genesis 3, verse 22 to 24, we won't read, but it says that man was not allowed to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And now we see this tree again appearing at the end of the Scriptures. What went wrong in Eden? I think we heard some... When Manny started his welcome, I thought, uh-oh, oh, where's this going? You know, I'm a man. I'm proud to be a man. And I was like, oh, please, God, please. You know, and it was great just to see it sort of ended well. Yeah, I think we all, we all would agree. But the point is, is that Adam and Eve had this battle going on there, and Satan came to destroy the perfect and blessed unity between God and mankind. God had intended and He created beauty. He created harmony in this connection, but Satan brought destruction and division and shame. Mm. And the truth is, is that he's pretty good at it. We just need to remember the backdrop of what I shared. But the point is, is if we look at the macro themes, the macro themes of the coronavirus and financial crisis and, and politicians, and, and extremism and poverty and equality and, and all these things, we need to remember, and then not even to mention our own lives at a personal level, at a more micro level, uh, marriage challenges, family healing that needs to take place. Maybe you've got issues at work with colleagues. Maybe your career. There's a lot going on. But we need to remember that these things are temporary. And and these things distract us because we forget about a more sinister, more serious war that's raging. And that's the spiritual war that's going on for our souls. And I think it's important for us when we look to the hope that we, we try and dig deeper into into what it means personally so for me seeing the reference of the tree in revelations points to the restoration of all things it's almost as if god's bringing the full circle at the end of this great drama and and allowing mankind to return and legitimately enjoy the blessings that he intended right at the beginning Now, it also talks about the healing of the leaves, and uh, the ancient Greek language, um, healing can also mean health-giving, and the actual word is Therapean, or in the English, it's therapeutic. And I think we would all agree that our nations need God's healing therapy. You know, God has a vision for us to be healed and have a relationship with Him. Not just any relationship, but a personal and intimate relationship with Him. We heard John T. sharing in the communion that He brought Jesus down, His only Son, so that we could have healing and that we could be healed from our wounds. But I would suggest that there are fewer and fewer people today that would recognize God as a healer of our broken world. In fact, I would go as far to say that some people suggest that there is no God because of all the pain in the world. See, healing starts with the individual, with the support of relationships. The thing is, God doesn't always heal us in the way that we expect healing. We live in a convenience-based society. We want quick fixes. Amazon, subscription economy, consumeristic economy. If things don't happen quickly, we're not interested. And unfortunately, personal Deep healing is not a quick fix. And I think because we live in this quick fix society, we can quickly acknowledge, I don't think anyone would argue, irrespective of your your faith, your authenticity, or your identity, that the world needs healing. But very few people admit that I need healing. And I think therefore we're stuck in this... in this critical situation that we don't see change. Because we use the macro stories to pause our responsibility to change as individuals. Um, I wanted to share this. Obviously, you can see I'm pretty biased. After I sent the slides to Malcolm, I realized that uh, this is not necessarily reflective of of, of uh, all extramural activities. You know, this is uh, clearly just sports-focused. Um, and uh, just to explain, on the far left, for those who can't see, that's, that's England celebrating in a cricket match. Um, I, I do support them uh, when, they, when they're not playing South Africa. Um, and um, and um, then we've got, in the middle, we've got um, the um, World, World um, Series Surfing Challenge. With a whole bunch of nationalities there then we've got a group of nigerians supporting their countries passionately i love the nigerian supporters then we've got um the uh per, the, the 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 opening ceremony of the, the olympics and um, what i love about that rugby world cup photo is you see british fans uh, wearing Chinese um, headbands, yeah. you see yeah. South Africans wearing yeah. Chinese. Yeah. Sorry, there we go. Yeah. See my, my ge- I need to go for a geography lesson. <laughs> <after>. <laughs> the, um, so the point is, is that you see all these different these different groups. The question to the audience is, what makes us feel good about these pictures? Joy, Joy. Joy. Togetherness. togetherness, smiling, Diversity. celebration. One thing in common, that's a good point. What were the goals and the focus of these groups? Winning. Winning? They had a united aim despite their diversity. Would that be a fair statement? By the way, that's, that's Japan. <laughs> sorry, sorry. just making sure. Any of Please turn your Bibles to Psalm 133. Uh, David's writing a song, and he, he writes the song and he says in Psalm 133, "How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity." It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows His blessing, even life forevermore. In the King James Version it says, behold. Behold, because this is rare and it's precious. Um, The fact that God's people, especially when you see God's people living in unity, David refers to it as oil dripping down Aaron's beard. And he says it's like dew settling on the mountains. And for those who know about the landscape that David was living in, it was pretty dry. But we know that on, on Mount Hermon, somehow dew is in excess at the, at the very top of the of the mountain and he He's basically saying it refreshes. It refreshes us uh, when we live in unity together and God wants us to use relationships to heal us But not always in the way that we expect and I wanted to share an example. I grew up um, in South Africa in a segregated um, apartheid era and I lived pre-, pre, pre and post-apartheid. And something that stood out especially about our church is the fact that it was a true beacon of light during a time of significant oppression and, com, and complexity. Uh, where we had a black majority that was under white minority rule. And fundamentally, um, you weren't allowed to be in, in the same church building together and uh the church i don't think it i don't think it was the only church but it was definitely one of the first churches um in the country to to say we oppose that view and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna worship together because the bible the bible says all nations and seeing brothers who were staunch supporters of this apartheid oppressive regime, become best friends um, with those who used to instigate violence against the same people. Mm. Just living in peace and the an absolute unity together because they had this oneness in Christ. Mm. That's the power of Christ. Mm. It's not some fairy tale you read to your kids right. when you're trying to hopefully impart some moral compass into them. This is real stuff. You know, things that are good are not always pleasant. And things that are pleasant are not good. But David tells us that unity is both pleasant and good. And I thought it was quite funny. if you, For those who have kids and you see sibling rivalry. And that's where I see a lot of... If I think of my life today as a a father of an 8-year-old and an 11-year-old, the most disunity I see is in my kids. (laughs) And um, I was encouraged when I read the story of Miriam, Aaron, and Moses. So I want to ask you to turn your Bibles. And if you are a parent who's wondering if you are the only one, um, hopefully this will encourage your spirit today. So in Numbers 12, uh, verse 12 to 15, it says miriam and aaron began to talk against moses because of his cushite wife for he had married a cushite (coughs) has the lord spoken only through moses they asked hasn't he also spoken through us and the lord heard this now moses was a very humble man more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth I was wondering this morning did they, if they did a census back then on like stone tablets, but clearly the Lord knows. The Lord knows who's the most humble in this room. Okay. At uh, once the Lord said to Moses, uh, said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, "Come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you." So the three of them went out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them stepped forward, he said, Listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The anger of the Lord burned against them, and he left them. I'll stop there. Here's Moses, Miriam, and Aaron, and uh, they've got got an issue with Moses. One, with his leadership, and, and ultimately the fact that he's... He's obviously celebrated diversity and married a Kushite. Um, and they've got an issue with this. And after I read this, I'll, I'll be transparent with you, my first instinct was, I wish God could come into some of my arguments like this. You know what I mean? Just come down and just really help people understand. Why, why do I have to work so hard to convince people that I'm right? Obviously, that's a whole sermon on itself. But the, the point over here was Miriam was actually a great sister to Moses. She took that little basket when he was a baby you know sent him down the river aaron was a great friend moses couldn't speak he struggled he's a bit like me and um, ultimately he supported moses with the exodus of getting the israelites out of egypt but then there's this conflict and um, luckily aaron responds in, in a humble way um, before god and, uh, and Moses and Moses's humility towards them both is also commendable and God ends up healing Miriam because she gets struck and Moses says please go it, it's okay you know, this, this happens it's sibling rivalry <laughs> and um, what's interesting is God doesn't just heal her physically but he's he's interested in healing those relationships mm-hmm. and what I want to ask you today is is there healing that needs to take place in your home Not the world in your home, in your extended family, your church, your family group, your marriage. See, God uses all people to bring us near to Him and ultimately find Him. And often people who are very different to us. I got invited in a in a what I would say is 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 an exceptionally racist country. When I was doing my driving test, I got invited by uh, a black individual to come to church and ultimately he helped me become a Christian. In in a country where, where this... So God uses different people. Sometimes we tend to click. We try and... Our natural selves try to connect with people who are like us who tell us the same things we want to hear who have the same likes i want to encourage you to be brave and today just celebrate diversity and see what we can learn from different cultures how are you cultivating and pursuing unity in your home work community are you a peacemaker Um, i want us to uh, read colossians 3 Got about seven minutes. Going okay. Still, how's the? I can hear some tummies. I can hear some tummies. It's, it's I'm, I'm getting that, right. Just bear with me. So, so Colossians three, verse twelve to fourteen. This is amazing scripture. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has grievance against someone forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity there's a whole sermon in in that but what I want to focus on is bearing it implies a constant attitude of overlooking mistakes and annoying habits a constant attitude. Grievances. I don't like what you did there, but I'm going to forgive you. What would this world look like if people just, if this was, became a law in, in, in our country or in every country? This was law punishable by imprisonment. <laughs> just, just think about it. It's radical. Just think about it. What would our, what would our world look like? What would our churches look like? Sometimes we we tend to think the world, but we've got issues in churches. For those who are visiting, sorry to disappoint. Um, but the point is, is that that this is what this is what we are called to. And I just wanted to share quickly um, of a story of forgiveness in my own life. For those who don't know, I um, met my father for the first time at the age of 35. And some of you might go, "Wow, <laughs> that's pretty intense." And um, I'm grateful that I did get to meet him because ultimately it was this sort of, it's your identity. And there was this sort of like, for 35 years, I, I mean, my mum always told me she's my mother and my father. And I was like, I know you're my mother and my father, but there's another just biological thing that happens. You know, I need, there's someone else in the story too. And um, at the age of 29 on a Facebook link, no, in 2000, yeah, in two, when I was 29 on a Facebook link, someone pinged a message and said, hey, I'm your cousin. Um, and by the way, your, your father was here two weeks ago. And I was like, okay, I didn't know I had a cousin. And it was interesting to know that I had a father. So I sent him an email. I'd, beca- I'd been a Christian for eight years. And I was like, I'm going to be the Christian in this relationship. So I sent him an email saying, I- I'm not here to judge you. Lots of um, I'm, I'm, um, I'm, um, and I've got lots of questions, but here's my number. I feel like it's your responsibility to phone me. You, the dad. Well, you haven't earned the dad title yet, but you, Chris, and you can phone me. And um, it took six years for him to phone. And obviously, during those six years, you sort of wonder, mm. what's my identity? And um, God worked at it in a, in a fantastic way that um, uh, the company I worked for asked me to go and set up the operation in South Africa. And so uh, I flew out to to, to Johannesburg and was in the hotel in Santon, and I reached out to him and I said, if if you'd like to meet me for breakfast, please feel free to come. And he said, yes. And so that whole night, I'm thinking, what's this? I don't even know how to start this conversation. 35 years of I don't know what. And I'm sure that there's people in the room who's had similar experiences, but it's quite nerve-breaking. And um, I just prayed, and I remember sitting at the breakfast table, and I got the text message, and he's down in the hotel lobby. And it's like, wow. Okay. And I remember coming out the elevator and seeing my dad, and um, it was like, if you see... Um, um, sort yeah. what's the what's the guy who does all these nature programs? Do yeah, David Attenborough, when he sits there with the gorillas, <laughs> I mean, and the gorillas like look at each other, trying to figure out, okay, do I have your lips? Do I have your eyes? What do, do I have? Okay, clearly I didn't get your legs. Um, my legs are much skinnier. I, I got my mum's legs. But uh, <laughs> the, the point is, is that there was this moment of, wow. And uh, we sat down for breakfast, and he cried. And we talked through it. Long story short, we reconciled. And the two things that were critical was forgiveness and listening. That was it. You know, I think sometimes we need to lighten up. We will never experience the blessedness and the joy if we want each grievance and annoyance accounted for. One, two. closing out. Back to the vision. Back to Revelations 22. Identity in Christ, the holy nation. You know, in Revelations it talks about the fact that our names will be on His forehead. Our, His name will be on our foreheads. Before Simon says point number. Heaven will be a place where God's people will forever be identified with their God. And there will never be any doubt that we belong to Him. You know, I've lived in South Africa, in deepest, darkest Africa. I've come to this amazing country in the UK. I've lived in America. And um, even whilst we were making decisions in America on whether we were going to stay there long term or come back to England we talked about cultural what what identity do we want as a family because we we felt like we were starting to lose who we were as an identity what is our cultural preferences what are these things and the thing that reassured us is in first peter which was the spirit was working because John T and Nicole read the same uh, scripture which is our identity is in Christ we don't have to worry about these things we've got the same values We've got the same focus. See, the problem with identity is that it either makes you arrogant or insecure. The tens. We talked about passport envy. I recently went skiing in Switzerland. I experienced a bit of passport envy. The point is, is that sometimes we can look at the benefits of certain countries. Net migration has multiplied. People are pursuing benefits. But the true... The true benefit is is when you are united and connected in Christ. How do you feel about the fact that you're going to see God's face? Now, it's going to be nothing like the experience of my dad. Because it will be much more exciting. But the concept is the same. There's this person that you know is alive. And then you get to meet them. And you see his face. And what I want you to do is close your eyes now whilst I... Read this. I want us to meditate on John's vision. You know, picture yourself in the city. No more curse. Perfect restoration. The throne in our midst. God's throne. Perfect administration. No corruption. Servants shall serve in perfect subordination. Equal we shall see his face we'll be perfectly transformed no more ailments no illnesses our name his name will be on our foreheads we will be secure in our identities God is the light we'll have perfect illumination. he reigns forever perfect exaltation you can open your eyes As the Bible opens with the story of paradise lost, it is here that he closes the story with paradise regained. The call to action for you is simple. Pursue Christ wholeheartedly, because if you do, he will transform your identity, use you to impact others, and one by one, will